Before I read the, the main scripture this morning, I, you probably read from your bulletin, we have a guest speaker, uh, Ricky Gerlach, who's a, a friend of mine I've gotten to know in the last few years. Ricky was at uh, one point the director of Cap Pattersonville. Um, his wife actually now serves in that, that role. Also, he is, is currently on uh, Youth for Christ staff, and that's kind of how I made a connection w- with Ricky. And just to give a bit of background of what I'm thinking and why I'm having him come, before Easter, the period of Lent, we, we did a sermon series from James called Looking into the Mirror, right? And the idea was that we want to look in, inward and make sure that our life and our heart are being, we're, we're living out um, what God's word tells us to do. And so we were kind of looking in it, examining ourselves. And then with Easter, I'm shifting gears, right? Instead of looking inward, my challenge now for, for the next few weeks is we're going to be looking outward, right? We're going to be looking at the mission of Jesus Christ that he's given. We, that, that song, we've sung it a couple times now, right? Thank you, O oh my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your spirit till the work on earth is done. That kind of captures this idea. Jesus has come. Our sins are forgiven. What are we called What are we called to do? And how can we take that message to people that need to hear it? So Ricky and I have met at different times. And we've talked about how do we share the good news of Jesus with different people. And, and when I, in our conversation, I thought, I want to have him come and just kind of share with you his passion for doing that. So. Given that, let me read from 2 Corinthians 4 this morning, the word of God. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, But Jesus Christ is Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. This is God's word. Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. Thanks so much for having me here. I guess I'll put that there. We'll back this up. There we go. All right. Um, Thank you, Pastor Mitch, for that introduction. Yep, I grew up in uh, Burnt Hills here. I went to Burnt Hills. My kids go to Burnt Hills. Um, We lived in Schenectady for a few years, but we're back in Burnt Hills. We go to Faith Baptist, not too far from you guys. Um, And some of you already know me. The Abrahamsons lived across the street from us growing up. 30 years, that's right. That's a long time. Um, And uh, through those years, um, God has... God has grown me in my faith from running around. I remember running around this church and parking lot and doing all sorts of stuff here from a little boy up, up 
to now my height, I guess. Um, but I just want to share with you <clears throat> uh, just a, a quick little story of, of, uh, of me. So I was seven when I came to know the Lord, and I accepted Jesus as my Savior when I was seven. And it wasn't until I was 18 or 19 that that faith really became real. Now, ups and downs, and of course, going to youth group um, and interacting and with different people strengthened my relationship with the Lord. But it wasn't until I was 18, 19 years old that I really decided to put everything of who I was into Jesus. I was a, a counselor at Camp Pattersonville, and um, after, after being a counselor, I realized that I just, I wanted to be all in with my faith. When I came back from camp, I just started reading the Bible all the time. I went to uh, college at Adirondack Community College, and there were, <laughs> there would be times that I would just be so caught up in reading the story of David or Elijah that I missed classes. I was addicted to the Word of God. And as, as I read, the Word of God just started to boil up within me. And I couldn't help. I, I tried. I, I really did. I tried to hold it back. But I couldn't help telling people about Jesus. And I started telling people at gas stations. We'd be pumping gas together, and I would be like, Hey, how you doing? Beautiful day. Jesus made it. Let's talk about God. And I started talking to people about God in elevators. And, and always my focus was Jesus. I didn't have a theology degree. I knew very little about, um, about theology. I barely kind of knew where I was. I did grow up in the church, so I knew some Christian language, but really it was from what I was reading. It was the scripture. <clears throat> and then people started, as I would get into these deep conversations about people, people's past and all that, um, I started to kind of think a little bit more of, of uh, theology and trying to like, trying to fix people's view of God. And I started to get discouraged where I tried to start kind of arguing and going back and forth with people about what they believed God was. And I got really discouraged. I got really weary. And that's a little bit of what we want to talk about this morning. <clears throat> it's just that feeling of being weary when when we're sharing Christ. Verses 1 says, Therefore, have this ministry by the mercy of God. We do not lose heart. And that's a little bit of what that story is, is that I absolutely lost heart. And I think a lot of you have similar stories of your past, of when you first became a Christian. I know lots of believers, I love it, hanging around a new believer. Because they have that fire of the, of the Holy Spirit inside of them. I love hanging around them. And I love being around them. And I get a little bit of that fire back when I, when I talk to a new believer. <clears throat> 
Therefore, having this ministry, what ministry? What ministry is Paul talking about? Well, in the first two chapters, the first, uh, well, the two chapters before this, Paul goes on to tell us we all have a ministry. As believers, we have a ministry of telling other people who God is. We have a ministry of preaching the word. We have a ministry of just telling other people the truth. <clears throat> we do this by God's mercy, not because of anything we have ever done. We do this because God has been merciful to open our eyes to see God for who he is and that we are sinners and that we need him. It's very simple. By God's mercy, <clears throat> we shouldn't lose heart. And now I've learned, um, I have a little bit of a sales background. I worked for a printing company down in Albany for seven years. And the first four or five, I was a customer service rep. And then the last three, I was a salesman. I had never been to Poughkeepsie before in my life. Um, and my sales area was Poughkeepsie. I had to drive down almost every day back and forth. And <clears throat> I got really good at rejection. People would, um, I'd knock on the door, you know, and I would, I would never been to Poughkeepsie before, but I would knock on, I would just find a strip of, um, like a strip mall or something where businesses were, and I would try and sell printing. And <clears throat> I learned that just because someone says no doesn't mean they're going to come back to you later or doesn't mean that they're not going to be thinking about your interaction later on. And this verse here, don't lose heart. Don't be sad about it. It's okay if people say no. It's okay if people say, not for me, thanks so much. It's very rare that someone's rude about it, but sometimes people are rude. That's them. We have a ministry that we're called to, and we should not lose heart. We should not feel like a failure just because we didn't convert someone to Christianity. That's not our job. Our job is just to share Jesus with them. And what that might look like <clears throat> might be different than what you're thinking. To share Jesus doesn't mean you have to explain the whole gospel message to them. In the same way that I would um, try and sell printing, I wouldn't necessarily try and share the entire thing, or I might come back later on. They might be thinking about it later on. And we, our job is just to share it. <clears throat> it's our ministry to tell other people about Jesus. Jesus is going to do the rest. If we just share a little nugget of who Jesus is, or if we ask to pray for them, that's sharing Jesus. Connecting Jesus to them is all that we're called to do. Now, obviously, if the conversation goes deeper and they want to hear or you have an opportunity to share about your testimony, by all means, do it. But sometimes we put this weight on ourselves that we should do all of the gospel message or none of it. And really, our job is just to do that little bit, and then God might take that, that person to that next step later on. You'll see in the, the bulletin in the notes here, there's this thing, it's called the angle scale. 
I'm going to admit, I learned about this this past week. And then when I sat down with Mitch, he goes, hey, you're kind of talking about the angle scale. And I was like, I just learned about that this week. And he goes, we should put it in the bulletin. So here it is. It's really neat. I, I'm kind of geeking out about it, but it's, it's really neat. It's, it's people being at different walks in their life in their faith. Now, their faith might be that they've never heard about God before. And it might be your job just to, just to say, hey, there's a real God. He's real. The Bible, it's real. And you might, just in that conversation, bring them from negative 10 to negative 9, or negative 6 to negative 5. Um, we don't know where people are on this scale. We don't know. But it's our job to be obedient to God's word, to be able to connect people to God. Um, and we do that through many different ways, but, but mainly just bringing up God. It's so, I get so nervous sometimes about just bringing, just bringing God up. But once the door of, of quote-unquote the secular world would, would call it religion, you and I call it just talking about God, but as soon as that topic comes up, it's remarkable how much people want to share. It's incredible when you just open that door and you say, hey, how has God affected your life? Or do you believe in God? Um, and then just having that conversation. Let them share about them, and then you get to share about what you believe. Do you mind if I share about what I believe about God? Conversations go from there. <clears throat> All right, 2 Corinthians 4.2 says, But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. There's so much to say here on how people have manipulated God's word. Um, our job is, is to read this book and to tell it as plainly as possible. I love uh, teaching kids about the Bible. <laughs> um, that's one of the things I really love doing. I love teaching kids and teens because <clears throat> it's simple. The gospel message is simple. God's book is pretty simple. The stories in the Old Testament, they all point to Jesus. The stories even in the New Testament, they point to Jesus. Our lives should be pointing to Jesus. We should be just explaining God's truth, and we might not fully understand it, and that's okay. In the same reason, in the same way earlier when I showed, shared the story of I, how I shared Christ, it was just boiling up inside of me and I had to share Christ. I didn't have all of the answers. And when people would say, well, what about this or what about that? Well, what do you believe about this or that? I would say, I don't know. All I know is that Jesus died on the cross so you and I can have a relationship with him. We don't need to have all the answers. And you can say, I got a great guy you can ask. His name is Pastor Mitch. <laughs> Point him his way. 
about those theology things. Um, I'm sure you guys have many people in your lives, not just Pastor Mitch, who, who know more about the Bible than you do. Um, when I have a question, I go to those people in my life and I say, hey, the Bible says this, what do you think it means? Um, you can do that in Bible studies or, hey, I had a conversation with someone earlier this week. And then you're constantly learning as well. But the focus should not be on trying to The focus should not be, the focus should be on Jesus, not to get into the weeds of what people believe. And it's nothing that we do to explain, it's what Jesus does inside of them. And sometimes the less words are, are better. But going back to how people have twisted <clears throat> the gospel message, um, People use disgraceful and underhanded ways to share the gospel, emotionally pressuring people to accept Jesus or the Catholic Church selling absolution of sins for donations. Um, the prosperity gospel. There's so many different, so many ways we as humans have contorted the truth. So many ways that we have done that. <clears throat> And sometimes we do it unknowingly or we do it out of ignorance. Um, I'll share a story. I was a counselor at Camp Pattersonville, and I was new to being a counselor. And a, a camper's dad came to me in the beginning of the week that his son, and he brought a non-believer, and he said to me, he goes, Ricky, this boy really needs Jesus. If there's anything you can do, this week is going to be really powerful for him, but if there's anything you can do to really make him come to know the Lord, that would be great. I felt like a ton of bricks had just landed on me, and I didn't know enough to ask for help. And so I'd say I made, I made some mistakes that week. And <clears throat> I felt like it was my job to convince this kid. <laughs> it's, it's, it is one of the most embarrassing moments um, that I have <laughs> because I believe I twisted God's truth that week. Um, and it was later in the week, the director pulled me aside and said, Ricky, <laughs> it's God who does the work, not you. We, we, don't, we don't need to pull. I, I pulled the kid aside and I said, listen, you really gotta, you really have to accept Jesus this week. I felt like it was my job. It's not, it's not my job. It's not our job to convince people to come to know Jesus. That's God's job. All we can do is present the truth as it is. We, we shouldn't twist it. We shouldn't emotionally challenge people to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's God's job. Political parties twist God's word to make it fit their agenda. <clears throat> All we have to do is to preach God's word. And sometimes it's best, when I, when I teach kids, I try to stick as close to the scripture as possible and just read the story or tell exactly what is being said. Obviously doing research behind it, but we're trying to just take 
the unadulterated truth from God's word and share that with others. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So we'll back up and go back to the beginning of that. And even if our gospel is veiled, what does that mean? You know, like a, wedding, a veil in front of you. Um, People are confused. People are really confused. And they're confused because Satan, the God of this world, is confusing them. And he's using the powers of this world to do it. We can't really do much about that. This world is confusing to those who are veiled. We physically, we can't do much. The God of this world, (coughs) Satan, has blinded the minds of these unbelievers so that they don't see the light of the gospel and the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God. Now, we as Christians, it is remarkable how we can, we've taken that veil off. When you become a Christian, at zero here on the angle scale, when we take that that veil off, we're able to see more clearly. We're able to comprehend. We're able to see that there's... There is a power trying to take away from the truth. As I said before, I've had many conversations with unbelievers where I've tried to convince them through facts and apologetics. I went to, um, after um, I did two years of college, my wife and I got married. um, And then after that, I still had all, I had a bunch of these questions that were burning inside of me. And I said, well, I I want to learn. And so I went to uh, Mid-America Bible Seminary, Mid-America Bible. Bible, the- I don't know. There's a seminary over here in, on Curry Road in Schenectady. It was a long time ago. They're not there anymore. <laughs> um, so I, I went there, and I took night classes for three or four years to try and understand a little bit better. <clears throat> I tried to be able to have those conversations with the believers, with, I'm sorry, with unbelievers, so I could try and convince them. It's not by knowing theology really well. It, it really does just come back to, to Jesus. Um, to take that veil off, it's, it's not about us. We can't take the veil off of other people. All we can do is present the truth. 1 Corinthians 4, 5, and 6. 
For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, it took me a few times to like really get it. I'm just going to read it again. 1 Corinthians 4, 5, and 6. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. I'm going to just stop right there. For what our ministry is, is not to proclaim anything or even outthink people. Or um, I'm thinking of like dueling, outdueling people in conversations about God. We're not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. <clears throat> I started becoming a little bit better with conversing with people when I, when I learned that we're not pitted against each other, but I have to be a servant to them. We have to be servants. We have to be humble. We have to know that we shouldn't be lording ourselves or trying to think that we're better because we know the truth, because we're unveiled and they're veiled. We have to have the attitude and the heart action of humility. That's going to help break down those walls. As we're having conversations with people, it's not us thinking through something better than someone else. It's actually us being humble that's going to break down that wall for them to actually see what you're trying to say. And your actions are going to speak louder than words. For God who said, this is verse 6, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and the grace of Jesus Christ. Let light shine out of darkness. We are in a dark world. And we need each other. We need to come to church. We need to be encouraged. But then we go back out into our circles of of life. And they can be dark. And sometimes... No, not sometimes. God puts people in front of us all the time to be able to tell them about God. And we need to take that light and go into the dark places. Sometimes that means being a part of a ministry. There are so many ministries that are set up in the Capital District to be able to go into the dark places. If you're struggling finding a way to get into the dark places, you don't have to just walk into Schenectady and start preaching the word. You might feel unsafe. You might feel like, oh, I need a little bit more structure to this. Well, there are many ministries that, that do that. The City Mission, for one. 
uh, Young Life here um, in the capital, in Burnt Hills Capital District, and then Youth for Christ. You might feel called to youth. You might feel called to adults. You might feel called to um, motherings. I love how Young Lives, uh, through Young Life, I almost said YFC, but it's, it's Young Life, um, works directly with moms and dads to be able to walk alongside of them. That is a ministry, to walk alongside people who are struggling. It is hard being a young parent. To walk alongside of, of them, that is, what, that is bringing light to the darkness. <clears throat> every week at, at YFC, every day we, we pray. Um, that's how we start our day. And, um, and we pray for kids that have stories that break my heart. People who have lost their dads. We have a, I have a story of a, a young girl. Last week, she was, um, she was expelled from school because she accidentally brought a knife into school. Well, the reason why she has a knife is because she has to walk home at 11 o'clock at night through a really bad neighborhood. And she forgot that she had the knife on her. And our site director over in Cohoes had to work with the, the principal and, and just kind of explaining the situation that these kids are in. They're in the dark place. We need to be able to walk alongside to tell them about Jesus. You can do that by joining a ministry, by volunteering. Yes, finances help, but really, a lot of the ministries, especially here in the Capital District, they need people. They need you to come alongside of them. <clears throat> Alpha Pregnancy Care, Camp Pattersonville, these are just a few, and I know that there's a ton more. Please don't be upset with me if I don't name your ministry. But there's a lot of ministries out there who need help. But we can be the light anywhere. I shared earlier that you don't have to be a part of a ministry. You can literally just, like I said earlier, pumping gas in an elevator, in line at Six Flags. I was in, I was in line. Oh, man, this is a good story. I was in line in Schenectady. And... <clears throat> I'm just standing there, minding my own business. There's a line that is going to take a long time, so I'm listening to stuff. And this guy, he's, he's a, so I'm standing here, and this guy in front of me, he turns back and he goes, zombies, eh? They're going to take over the world. <laughs> and so I was like, okay. So I, I stop my music, take my earbuds out, and we start having this conversation about zombies. And he is terrified. This gentleman is terrified that zombies are, like, he really believes that zombies are going to take over the world. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> and he, and I, so he was telling me all these things, and he goes, are you scared about zombies? <laughs> I looked at him, and I said, no, I'm not. I, I don't believe the world is going to end that way, but even if it does, I have Jesus Christ. And he's like, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, he goes, you go to church and stuff? Yeah, I go to church, but that's not the important part. The important part is I have a relationship with Jesus. 
And so for the next 10, 15 minutes, we were able to have a great conversation about God. I invited him to church. I invited him to a couple different things. He goes, yeah, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. But having moments like that and being ready for them, being ready for when someone suddenly turns, I didn't, I feel bad. I wasn't the one who started that conversation. He did. But we got to be ready for those But we also have to start those conversations because they're bubbling underneath people. They need truth and hope. They are looking for it. And it's our ministry to be able to help them find it by starting those conversations. So I want to challenge you guys today to go home, or you could do it here, (laughs) anywhere you want. You can do this anywhere. Get a three-by-five card. Let me just mark this page right here. Three-by-five card. You can write anything really you want on it, but I would encourage you to write the main reason that convinced you to come to know Jesus. What, What was it? Was it the fact that you knew you were a sinner and you knew you needed Jesus? What would, what would you say for you is the most powerful moment that you could share with someone else? Just put it on a 3 by 5 card. Use both sides if you want. Depending on how small you write, you should be able to be able to say that message to someone else in under two minutes, two to five minutes. So I encourage you to get a 3 by 5 card and just put it in your pocket and pray for an opportunity this week to share Jesus with someone else. Now, I believe that you guys come in contact with people that I come in contact with, that my friends and other churchgoers at Faith come in contact with. Can you imagine the impact we would all have if each and every one of us were sharing Jesus Christ daily, if not weekly, with the people around us, just in the Capital District. People would feel, and if the other churches got on board with that, people would feel like you can't, you can't throw like a, a dime or a nickel. You can't throw something without hitting someone who's telling me about Jesus. And the more conversations we have and the more contact you have, more, more likely those people are going to come to know Jesus as well. In marketing and in sales, they try to hit you in so many different ways through the radio, billboards, ads, your phone via Facebook. They're trying to get it in front of you every which way. And God, when he is searching, when he is really putting the pressure on, God uses people just like us to be able to get into, pe- into people's lives. We, we might not be the one to reap that harvest, but we might be one of the 10 people that got in front of them that was bold enough to say, have you tried Jesus lately? Have you tried seeking after Jesus? If we, if we do that, I believe this area, Capital District, the Capital District, will be on fire for Jesus. People won't be able to get away from it. But my challenge, what I'm encouraging you guys to do, 
Let's take a three by five card. Write down what is important to you. It might be a testimony of something happened this past week. It might be how you came to know the Lord. Something that, that sticks out, that's powerful to you. Powerful enough that made you go, huh, not only is God real, but he cares about me. And to be able to share that and share it with passion, share it with excitement. Don't sit there and be like, so Jesus is great. No, Jesus is great. <laughs> we got to tell them about Jesus and be excited about it because Jesus is great and he does change, change lives. He changed mine. Mine. I believe he changed yours and he can change anyone. He can change anyone's life no matter how lost they are. <clears throat> I'm going to end with Colossians 4. Four and five, or five and six. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Lord, we know that we can't do anything by our own strength. We know that it's you. We know that it's you who gives us the food to eat, the air to breathe. You protect us and guide us. Father, please help us to communicate well this week with other people. Please help us to invite them to church. Please help us to step outside our comfort zone. Help us to be bold and courageous to tell other people about Jesus. Father, I just pray a blessing over this church, Lord Jesus, as they do that. That as they step out in faith, that you bless them. I was terrified to speak, to speak this morning, but you, you, did, you gave me the words, and I thank you for that, Lord. And I believe that you're going to give the words to this congregation as they step out in faith and as they share that in dark places, in their circles, in their lives. Help this church grow, Lord Jesus. Help the people have faith in action to be able to do what you've called them to do. In your holy name, Lord, we love you. We pray, amen. amen. Thank you very much.